Good morning. Should introduce myself. My name is Dan Shields. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so excited to actually be, you know, back with you guys. I appreciate. Want to thank the elders, you know, for allowing me to go um, on this trip. Somebody say, "How was your vacation?" Kinda. Um, we got to walk 85 miles in 10 days uh, and experience the land of Turkey. And it was a study trip. In case you don't know, um, the two-thirds of our New Testament is either written to or from Turkey. In fact, if you read uh, the book of Revelation, you'll know that Jesus talked to seven different churches in Revelation. Every single one of those churches were in Turkey. And so I got a chance to walk through every single one of those locations, and I'm so excited over the next couple weeks, months, and maybe even years ahead to be able to show you some of the things that I've learned so that uh, we can all learn to become more and more like him. Now, speaking of elders, can we just thank Jason Pegg for these last couple weeks for the messages he gave? Thank you, Jason. Appreciate you. You know, as you talked about, the Bible is true, it's reliable, you can depend on it. The resurrection did happen, and in fact, if you missed either one of those weeks, please go online to be able to check that out as well. So this week, uh, we're beginning a new series called Base Camp. Now, Base Camp is a group of people who gather in preparation for the journey or experience ahead. So as a church, this is our base camp. You might have done an expedition, a hiking expedition where you had a base camp or whitewater rafting. You know, uh, maybe even in your work environment, it was called a strategic planning day or you know, if in the military, it's called boot camp. You know, it's an opportunity to be prepared for the journey and experience ahead. So welcome to Valley Real Life's base camp. And what that's going to mean, for some of you who are new, this is going to feel uh, like a great challenge and an opportunity for you to be aware of what we really value and where we're headed as a church. For those of you who've been here for a while, some of this information, you'll be like, yeah, I've heard this before, but that's not the lens I'm going to challenge you with. What I want you to ask yourself is, am I doing this, or what is my next step that Jesus is calling me on the journey? So that's the lens I kind of want you to process through as we go through this base camp together. So let me start with this. Uh, it's not hard for us to share things that we're passionate or interested in. It's really not hard. If you're interested in something, even if somebody else isn't interested, as soon as you get an opportunity to share that what you're interested in, you're more than free and you're available to be able to do so. And, and here's how I know of what you're interested in. First place I can look is your social media. What do you post about? What do you talk about? Uh, the second thing is if I'm in conversation with you and I happen to hit on that subject of interest, uh, many of you, your body language will change. Your voice actually might get higher. You might even talk faster. You might talk with a little bit more passion or a little bit of gusto as you're, you're explaining or describing that, what, that's, that which you're passionate about. So here's what I want you to do. With the person next to you, uh, what is something that is so easy for you to talk about? What is something that you're passionate that if they bring this up or if you get a chance, this is what you'd be like, yeah, I could talk about this all day. Go ahead and talk to the person next to you. We'll come back up in just a second. All right. I want to hear a couple of these. Let's get somebody from this section. What's one thing that you're passionate about you could talk about all day? My girl. Kids, family. Great. What about somebody in here? 
sports, softball, football. Hey, Cougs, you did well. You did, you did well. It's gonna make the apple cup that much more painful. Um, okay, this, yeah. Music, baseball, kids. So all these things are passionate about. Some of you guys, you know, instantly, and you may not have mentioned this, but somebody around you would know it's your work. Okay, it's your work. It's so easy to talk about. You come home kind of excited. You're passionate about. It's easy to talk about what's taking place at work. Have you ever met a real estate agent who's very excited about what they do? Yeah, it's easy for them to talk about, you know, uh, their work or those CrossFit people. They're a little nuts, you know. Uh, they're very excited, you know, about, you know, uh, that's not their work. That's actually their hobbies, you know. But uh, people, if you're a teacher, as parents, we're so excited to send our kids to you. Let me just say that. But uh, as teachers, you are very excited about setting up your room and preparing for this next year. You're really, really passionate about. Like I already mentioned, some of you guys are really passionate about your hobbies or interests. Have you ever been around someone who's just a little excited about something called essential oils? Yeah, yeah, not, not hard for them to talk about, you know, um, all the effects and all the positive things. As I mentioned, those CrossFit people are a little crazy, or those sports people are the worst. You might run across somebody who might even preach about their Seahawks or Mariners or Huskies. Please, Mariners, it's been 20 years. Come on. I just keep waiting for the bottom to drop out. I'm not going to lie because I've been down this road so many times. But I'm like, no, it feels different this year. I'm praying. You know, so just a couple more games. Or Seahawk fans, please, I don't care. Just win one game. Beat Russell Wilson. Lose the rest. That's fine. Tomorrow night's a big, a big deal for us Seahawk fans. And so, yes. What? No, bro. bro go home, Broncos is what it means. 48 to 8. That's all I got to say. Uh, maybe uh, it's movies. Some of you guys know that reference. Maybe it's movies and entertainment. You know, uh, I know uh, talking to some staff people this week, I didn't realize how passionate they were about the Lord of the Rings spinoff on Amazon Prime. Whoo, there was some passion and some negative passion that was being exclaimed in uh, how they viewed what was taking place. Uh, uh, have you ever met uh, a Star Trek fan? You know, I'm talking about a Trekkie. How many guys by a show of hands have met a Trekkie, you know, before? Okay, they're a little weird. Here's what I need to tell you. All of you have actually met a Trekkie, and his name is Jason Pegg. Uh, just want to make sure you know that uh, social media is not always your friend. This is uh, from his 2009 social media account on Facebook. So don't tell him. I'm hoping he's here next service, you know, for him to be able to experience this together. So you've actually met our resident elder nerd, uh, Jason Pegg. And yes, that really is him. So for many people, it's relationships. We're excited to talk about our friend groups. Uh, we're even excited about gossiping about what's going on in other people's lives. Ever met somebody who just loves to talk about other people? They get really kind of excited to share with you the latest gossip about what's taking place with other people. For some, it's a boyfriend or it's a girlfriend. You just can't wait to tell others about it. And for many of you, it's a spouse or it's a family member, as you, as you already mentioned. I have no problem, you know, talking about with passion what things that are going on in my kids' lives or things that are going on in our family's lives. In fact, I uh, felt very old this week, uh, in, but in a very good way. Uh, my wife and I celebrated 25 years of marriage this last week. So 25 years. But man, it makes me feel so old. Now, you know where I'm going with all this. You see, let's get real and honest for just a second. Where does Jesus rank? Among the things that you're passionate and interested in. And it's funny because then when I mention Jesus, 
You know, it, it doesn't seem to roll off our tongues in the same way of some other passions or interests. And I used to agree with some of the reasons why. Uh, one is, Dan, if I mention this out loud with, like I do with other things in my life, I'm going to get reprimanded or I might actually lose my job. Or if I'm at school and I mention this to people, I'm going to look down on. I might be made fun of if I post these things. And so we kind of reserve because we don't want to upset the status quo. And I used to think that was a great excuse until COVID happened. And then I realized that all of us are so passionate about things like politics or how things should take place in COVID that we are willing to share whatever we think, however we think, and we don't care what our business, our work, our families, or anybody else in this world thinks because we're passionate about our response or lack of response when it comes to COVID or politics. And so that's no longer a great excuse when it comes to our lack of sharing Jesus with other people because when you're really passionate about something, you can't help but share. In fact, Jesus' call to follow him can't be separated from sharing him with others. It can't be separated. Now, I know that uh, many of you have heard that when you accept Jesus, he gives you this opportunity for eternal life and heaven. But do you ever notice what's interesting about Jesus? Is he doesn't talk much about heaven. Then over 90% of what he talks about has to do with yours and my life here. That the kingdom of God starts here and now, and he wants to conform and change and help us so that we can help others on our way to eternity and an everlasting life with Jesus. And so he's calling us to actually share. In fact, the call is a call to share. In Matthew 4, 19, Jesus calls his disciples when he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What's he calling them to do? To reach out to other people and share the good news and disciple them in becoming like him. In fact, uh, before Jesus goes into heaven and in, is in what's called the ascension, he gathers his disciples together and in Acts 1.9, he says these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, that's amazing. After you receive Christ, you're going to get this power. To do what? To be his witnesses. Literally telling people about me everywhere. This is what he says to Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you the power of Jesus inside of me in order that you might be equipped with the power to share me with the world. So following Christ means a passionate commitment to him. And part of that commitment is sharing that with other people. See, church gatherings are our base, base camp. This is where we come, we get introduced to who Jesus is, or we learn something more about him, we grow, we're encouraged by him, or we're challenged in him through worship or the word or relationships. But understand that we gather so that we can scatter. This is not the destination, this is the huddle. This is moving from the stands into the huddle, and then we leave this place out into our real lives, or to what the Bible would say is the mission field where God has called us to represent him. In fact, in Acts chapter 8, we know in the New Testament that many people were persecuted because they were Christians. And that's all. They were Christians and they were persecuted. But here's what's fascinating about it is, did you know that we're not the ones to give ourselves the name Christians? Uh, early in the church, when you accepted Christ, they were called people of the way. 
Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. They were people of the way. It was the non-Christian world. It was the people who believed in many gods in the Greco-Roman world who said, you know, those people, they don't believe in all the gods. They believe in that Christ person. They, all they do is talk, live, and act like Jesus. We're, those, Christ, those Christians, yeah, that's what we'll call them. It wasn't term of endearment. It was a label to say, this is who you guys are. And that's amazing for us to be able to process that we gather so that we can scatter and share the name of Jesus. And so the believers in Acts chapter 8 who were persecuted, they were scattered. What did they do? They preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I don't know about you, but when bad things happen in my life, I tend to focus on the bad things. I tend to find myself, you know, kind of focused on what's going wrong and how can I fix it. These early Christians, when bad things happened, they saw it as a door of opportunity to share Jesus with others. And let that be an encouragement and a challenge for us. Sometimes the very challenges you face in life is the opportunities that God's going to use in your life to reach somebody farthest from him. Whether it be a doctor, whether it be you know, a friend, whether it be a neighbor, somebody that you don't normally encounter, but because you're going through a hard time, you're running into different people that God wants you to represent him well with. And so it says, Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Now, hold on to Philip. We're going to come back to him in just a second. But I want you to understand that in the day and age of information today, that the medium is the message. The medium is the message. You are the message. You, how you live, how you act, what you say are the message of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus says it this way in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on its stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, notice what he says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise God. Now, I know if you've been in church for a while, you're like, wait a minute, Dan, I thought I wasn't supposed to let uh, my right hand know what my left hand is doing and kind of do this in secret. Yes, if you're trying to get the glory. But you're actually supposed to show your good deeds to the world so that when they point at you, you can say, let me tell you why I do this, and it's because of him. So that they can realize, oh, there's something different in how you live that causes me to wonder what is it about you that caused you to do something that they don't see normally in our culture today. That's what it means to represent Jesus well. See, how we live is the greatest message that we can share. How you do business that may be different than the world brings a light to Jesus. How you interact with others, how you forgive when everybody else says not to forgive, how you love, how you serve will show the world by your deeds, by your actions, that you're a follower of him. In fact, a hard-hitting question that always gets me to process is, is there anything different in how you live that would prove that you're a Christian besides going to church. Jason last week presented evidence of the resurrection outside of the Bible, and he says, you know what? Guilty. It is proven that the resurrection was real. If you could not tell people, if I could not tell people I'm a pastor or I'm a follower of Christ, and I didn't go to church, would I have enough evidence against me to convict me as a follower of Jesus? That's something for us to process as followers of Christ. Now, secondly, how we share 
is more important than what we share, how we share. And I know some of you guys will push back, like, no, 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 Dan, the message is most important. And I'd say, no, I completely disagree in this day and age. Let, let me give you an example. Have you ever been asked, does this dress look good on me? Does it make me look fat? Okay. Your response could be one of two, th two things. Yes, it makes you look fat and ugly. Okay, how do you think that's going to be received, right? How do you think that's going to be taken? Now, I'm not saying to lie, but I am saying, can we give the truth, but in a gentle and loving way? For example, here might be some truth. You are a rotten, dirty sinner, and you're going to hell without Jesus. You're like, all right, is that true? Yeah, but that's never how we see that take place in the Bible, that's never how Jesus wants us to do it. In fact, in 1 Peter, this is what it tells us. Worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. <laughs> this is what we miss. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a godly life, there's the actions, that you live because you belong to Christ. There is a way to represent Christ that brings the truth and how we present the truth is as important as the message in which we bring. And so here's an opportunity to share Jesus with other people through our words and deeds. And when they start asking you, you can tell them about Jesus, but also tell them what Jesus has done in you. To say, here's who I was, here's what Jesus did in me, and here's who I am now. Here's who I was, here's what Jesus did, and here's who I am now. And you're proclaiming the message of Jesus through words and through your lifestyle. Now, proactively, here are some ways that God calls us to do this. So here's my challenge. Do you pray regularly and specifically for those who are not yet following Jesus? Do you have that somewhere, listed anywhere? Is that a regular part? Because if you listen to our prayers, many of us pray prayers of safety, of provision, of blessing, and let's be honest, of comfort. But God is asking us to beseech him on behalf of other people that they might be open to receiving him. Now, you can't save anyone. Only the Spirit can do that. But your life represents what God's going to do to awaken that person to the reality of who Jesus is. In fact, as a church, this is something that we do on a regular basis. For example, this is the weekend every year where we paint over our baptistry. And so it's uh, painted over again. And what we do is we encourage anybody who wants to, to write somebody's name on there, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody that God has put in your life that you're going to pray for on a regular basis that they would come to know Jesus Christ. And then when somebody gets baptized... Yeah, that's a trigger for you to be like, oh yeah, I'm praying for the person that someday that my person that God has placed in my life, that they might come to know him as well. This is the weekend where we, go, we put our cross back to dark again. And that every time someone gets baptized, the cross will light up again over the next 12 months. And just as some encouragement, many of you are doing these things. And you have done this thing because this last year, these last 24 or 12 months, 161 people have gotten baptized in this church. Isn't that amazing? That praise God for that. 161. Which tells me, this is not from the pastoral staff. Yes, we're involved in this in what, as well. This is from us. Because there's a passion for you to reach out to those who are not yet connected to him. 
And as we pray for people, God's going to give us an opportunity to then share and invite. To share who he is and invite him. Invite them to something. Invite them to your life. Invite them to community. Invite them to church. You know why we push things like Christmas and Easter? Because people are most open to coming to that opportunity. There's other weekends as well. There's new series. There's topical things that we talk about that we're saying, invite your friends. Like, for example, our first one's coming up in two weeks from today. We're going to call it old school kind of friend weekend. You know, invite your friend. Our kids in the kids area are doing a back to school bash. And they're going to be inviting friends like crazy. And we want to model as adults the same things that our kids are doing. And so we're going to invite people to that weekend praying that this is an opportunity as we go into a new series, you know, about pivoting, about what, 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 what plot twist is what it's going to be called. As God kind of leads us in life and it doesn't go the way that we're, we think it's supposed to go, that there's an opportunity to see how God's going to work in somebody's life. So I want to encourage you to invite friends to that weekend two weeks from now. Speaking of opportunities to invite people on weekend services, one of the best ways to, as a church to reach our community for Jesus is to start new campuses and new churches. Like, for example, it is still on our hearts to launch a campus and then eventually potentially a church out in Freeman. You know, it's always been on our hearts. We actually had it launched. Many of you know, we got six weeks into it and it was being at the school and it got closed down. So we're like, ugh. So it's been a couple years, and so we're looking at that again. There's two obstacles that we have that we need you to be praying for. Number one, we need a more permanent location. So someplace that we can gather, you know, more regularly. Number two, we need the core group to grow. So there's about 30 adults that are committed to being a part of that, and Brad's working, you know, with the uh, life groups that are committed to being there. We need to grow that to about 100 and then be ready to launch that. So just something to be praying for. Secondly, something happened about six months ago that none of us saw coming. Uh, six months ago, uh, there was a, a, a group of people, uh, elders specifically, from Westgate Christian Church who approached us. Westgate Christian Church is located on the north side, Spokane, about 15 minutes away from Nine Mile, if you know where that is as well. And they came to us, and we've worked with them in the past because they just lost their lead pastor, and they've had a hard time with covid and so they're about a church of about 60 to 70 people at the time. And they approached and we talked to them. And just to make a long story short, it eventually became a conversation where they asked us if we would be willing to adopt them. To say, can you kind of oversee our church? We want to reach our community for Christ. We're not good at it. We don't know how to do it well. Would you be willing to do that? So we prayed a long time about this. And then they, based on their structure, had to have a congregational vote. So a few weeks ago, they had a congregational vote where 67 people showed up to vote yes or no for this to happen. And to our amazement, all 67 said they want us to adopt them. I don't know about you, but I can't get all five of my family members to agree on anything. <laughs> There's always somebody that doesn't agree with something. And so we believe that God is leading us in that direction. And so we have different pastors that are going out there and just kind of working with them. And you're going to hear more about this as an opportunity as we go into 2023 as a way for some of you to actually go there for a period of nine months to a year to help be a part of this new work that God's doing in this incredible facility in an incredible location to reach a community that's growing and an opportunity to affect people for the kingdom. So it's absolutely amazing. And so we're just excited about what God's going to be doing this next year along those lines, which leads me to the last point, is individually and together, can we be open to God's spirit leading every day? We all have plans. I do. I'm so driven by my calendar, it's kind of pathetic. You know, here's where I go, here's what I do, here's my task, here's my list and all that kind of stuff that I have. I am driven by my calendar. And yet, am I open enough to say, God, 
if you should bring something different than what I have planned, am I open to being involved in that? Am I open to allowing your spirit to lead my day? You see, in the New Testament, they didn't have the Bible in their hands. In fact, in the New Testament, they mostly met in house churches, if there even was a church. And so they were led by the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. And Philip, like I mentioned, was one of those people. And we pick up his story, and I want you to notice what his life was all about. In verse 26, it says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met their treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So how did Philip respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting? He ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up to the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture that he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north of the town of Azotus, and notice what he did. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Do we have that same kind of passion for Jesus? Do we have that kind of passion, understanding what he's given to me? Do we have that opportunity? Do we see opportunities all around us? I want you to notice that he was sharing with people who persecuted him, people on the other side of the aisle, per se. And he saw opportunities to reach out and to make Jesus known. And like I said, many of you do this on a regular basis, and you need to hear stories of how God is impacting those around you. And so I want you to listen carefully to the story that we have to show you today from Jen and Jalen. Go ahead and watch the screen with me now. I was raised in a Christian household, and so I grew up in church, but I never had a relationship with God. I never really grew up in a church at all. So I didn't know what to do, what to expect. I thought tithing was a waste. It just never grew up, never had the mindset for it. I remember Quisner, uh, well, how did God start everything? How did this happen? How does that happen? Who is he? Why are there three in one? None of it makes sense. So one day, um, Kayla posted on her Instagram story and it was just something I could relate to. And so I replied to it in a message and we just started talking and she invited me to church. I don't know why, but I said yes, because that's something that I never would have done. Hours later, I was sitting in a big building that I had never been in before <laughs> next to Kayla and 
it was perfect. I felt so good, I felt happy. Um, the smiles and the connections and just, I felt safe. And so when I got home, he was a little standoffish and I was like, "What? what's wrong? And he said, I wanted to go. <laughs> and I don't know why. I have no idea why. I wanted to go that night and I still don't know why. The next week we were there as a family. Yep, checked in the boys, got there early. We started Valley Real Life in August of 2021. I started women's Bible study in January of 2022. Yep. And then we started Life Group in March of 2022. Every single part of our journey over the last year has started with an invite and then us opening our hearts and obeying. I accepted, I accepted that it was something that I couldn't do. After years of like silently wanting to be a part of a church as a family. But it was something that God had to do and not me. I couldn't change him. I couldn't make him believe. I couldn't make him want to go. I couldn't make him like it. But God did. I feel like I have grown as a person and grown in my faith a lot. Because of my experiences at the church and my experiences building new relationships, new friendships, growing my faith with God, I invite everybody I can. One of the sermons was be the light that everybody looks up to and looks for. And he carries around a lantern. <laughs> I was the light. Mm -hmm. I kept inviting people, they kept coming. It was, it felt good to invite somebody. It was like a competition. Yes. And every oh, single yes. week you'd be like, so-and-so's coming to church. Yep. And I was like, nobody replied to me. <laughs> <laughs> to know that someone trusted what God was telling them and cared enough about me and my family and my relationship to invite us to church speaks volumes about the God that we serve and Kayla as a friend because that changed our whole lives. Kayla posted on Instagram, reached out, she accepted. You see this invitation continue. And I just need to give you a little more backstory now because I met with them on Thursday. They were here on Thursday night. You know, first and foremost, uh, they're getting to get baptized this, sun, this, this Thursday. So it was really cool to see them both. Going to get baptized this Thursday. <clears throat> While we were there, uh, Jaden introduced me to three of his coworkers that he invited that night, you know, as uh, he was there. And then um, Jen was just in shock because uh, believe it or not, uh, she just looked at me and she goes, you don't understand, uh, my elementary years, I grew up at Westgate Christian Church. And she goes, I cannot believe that we're doing this and I can't wait to be able to be a part of that and I wanna be able to serve and I wanna reach that community and who would have thought it would have all come full circle. You never know what God's going to do when we have a heart and a passion to reach out to others that could be an eternal difference in the life of that person starting today. So as we close, where has God placed you to represent his good news? One of the questions that we're asking is, who is your three? And as you came in, you should have received one of these little handouts when you came in, uh, letting you know about some things that are coming up. But I want to make note of the very top. It's a perforated edge. And if you don't mind, go ahead and take that perforation and rip it off. And it says, who's your three? Who's your three? 
And, and here's my challenge and encouragement for all of us is can you write down three people that God has placed in your sphere of influence, a family member, a friend, coworker, a child, I don't know who that might be, and place it somewhere where you're gonna be reminded to pray. This can be a great bookmark. It could be a place you can put it on the refrigerator. It could be something on your mirror. It could be in your car dashboard. Wherever it may be that can remind you for this next year that God is going to use you to reach that person through word and deed. Remember, it's not your job to see them accept. It's just your job to share. It's your job to live for him. And so this is just a tool, another resource as a reminder. But we want to do something different today. Uh, as we wrap up, because I know I've been talking a lot to those of you who are followers of Christ, and I want to challenge us once more. One of the things we do is we listen to a message like this, and for those of you who have heard of, you know, something like this, the importance of reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time, we're like, yep, yep, that's good, and then we leave. But I think there needs to be another step, because I want to remind you, those of you who are business or who work, you are not a businessman who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian who happens to be in business, and that is your mission field. For those of you who are teachers, you are coaches. You are not a teacher or coach as a Christian. You are a Christian who happens to be in the educational field. For those of you who serve in our police force or social sector or in hospitals or those who are retired, you are not those things and a Christian. You are a Christian who happens to work in that field, and God is wanting you to represent him to reach others for him. We are followers of Christ first in and through and above all interest, hobbies, work environments, family relationships, whatever it may be, in order to fulfill the mission and vision of Jesus. As it's been given to us, we share that to others. So I'm going to ask you to do a brave thing. I'm going to start in different categories. And so let's start with the educational system. And so if you're a teacher, if you're a superintendent, if you're a principal, if you're a coach, if you're a student, elementary, middle school, high school, or college, and you're a person that is listening today and you're like, you know what? I want to represent Christ. I want to be used by Christ in my mission field, in my school. Then I'm going to ask you to stand so we can pray for you. So if that's you and you're like, I'm going to represent Christ the best that I can. And I feel like that this is the call that he has in my life. Can you please stand wherever you're at? And we're going to pray for you. If you're a teacher, a student, you know, superintendent, we want to pray for you. And so if you're seated right now, just be praying for those people around you as they've decided to make this commitment. So, Jesus, I thank you for those who work in our school systems. Father, we know that it can be a very challenging and hard and painful place, and yet these people are desiring to be the light that you have called them to be. And so I pray that by their good deeds and by their words, they would be used by you to just infect in a positive way what's happening in all of the schools around in this region. Whether they're students, whether they're teachers, whether they're coaches, superintendents, Father, I just pray that you would just lead them and guide them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, for those of you who are in business, those of you who have full-time jobs or part-time jobs, and you're saying to yourself, you know what? I know that I want to represent Christ well where I work, where I'm employed. I want my business. I want my shift, whatever it may be that I am working in. I want to represent Jesus well. I'm committed to making his name known above all else. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we want to pray for you. If that's you, go ahead and stand right where you're at. And so those of you guys who know those who are standing, or if you don't, I'm going to ask you to join me in praying for those who are standing now. So Jesus, I thank you for the hearts and minds of the men and women who are standing. 
who have a desire to represent you through word and deed. They are standing not before me, they are standing before you. And I pray, Father, that you would just give them a passion that is unquenchable and a desire to share through word and deed your name. And I pray that their places of employment would be holy places. They would be places where people actually get to encounter who you are because they are representing you so well. Give them strength, bless them, and allow them to have the perseverance they're going to need to continue to represent you with gentleness and respect. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, there's another category, you know, uh, and that is if I didn't mention you. Okay, so there is a category. If you have family members, if you've got neighbors, you know, if there's a category where you're just sitting there and your heart's on fire and you're like, I want to represent Jesus well, I'm not ashamed to be able to represent him well. If that's you, and if it's a place of business or home or an environment that wasn't mentioned and you'd like to stand, I'm going to ask you to stand now. If that's you in a place of business, of family members, and that's you right now, and we want to pray for wherever you're at. So if you're seated, can you join me in praying for those who are standing now? God, these folks are standing before you. It could be family members that are on their heart. It could be neighbors. It could be friends, Father. It could be you know just uh, other people that they might run across and some of their hobbies and interests. But I just pray that you would just bless them that you would lead them, that you'd give them the words that we read about uh, in these ordinary people in the New Testament who, because they spent time with you, that people noticed that they had been with Jesus. And I pray that people would notice, that neighbors would notice, and family members would notice, and that they would receive opportunities to engage and hear more about you, just like the testimony we just heard from Jen and Jaden. Father, we love you and thank you for these people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.